0: Our guest for today's episode is my new friend Carrie Grace. Carrie is a motivational speaker who travels all around the country speaking to businesses and teams. And one of the things she teaches them how to do is how to take more risks. I went to lunch with Carrie a few months ago, and y'all, she is amazing. She has this quality about her where she's seriously not scared of rejection. She's the kind of person who knows that if you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. She loves taking risks, and the things that have happened in her life because of those risks are amazing. My heart was pounding the whole time she and I were at lunch, and as we talked, I found myself dreaming in a whole new way, wondering what crazy leaps I could take and actually not being afraid of the rejection I might face in the process. And that's why I knew we had to have her over for a girl's night. Friend, if you're feeling stuck or lonely or like your dreams are just too far off, this episode is for you. My hope is that the stories Carrie shares from her own life will inspire you to be bold, to take risks, and to see what amazing things come from it. I can't wait to hear what happens. But before we dive in, I have a resource I wanna make sure to tell you about. The resource is my course, Love Your Single Life, the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step system to savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. As we're talking about taking risks and stepping outside of our comfort zone, signing up for this course might just be the perfect way to do it. And guess what? Registration opens up next Monday. That's right, my online course is opening up again on October 7th, and I would absolutely love for you to join us. Here's what just one of our sweet Love Your Single Life alumni had to say about the course. She said, Stephanie, thank you. I wish I could hug you a million times over. You have no idea what Love Your Single Life did for me. When I signed up, I didn't want anyone to know because it felt like a weak move to need a course like this, but I'm telling you what, now I want to shout it from the rooftops. Just about a year later, I'm newly dating the most amazing guy, but I don't wish for a second that he'd come into my life any sooner. Last year was the best year of my life as far as finding purpose and living fully, and I credit so much of that to you. I mean it, thank you. That's from Melissa. Gosh, I love that so much. So again, friends, registration for the course only opens up twice a year, and the next time is on October 7th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. One other thing is that I know that some of you may be listening to this episode after October 7th, and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, and you can put your name on the waiting list, and that way you'll be the first to know next time the course opens back up. I can't wait to share this with y'all. Okay, now with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Carrie. Okay, friends, I'm sitting here with my new friend Carrie Grace. Friend, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, okay, so for the girls who haven't met you
1: yet, um, tell us who you are, what you do, and tell us a fun fact. Um, so I'm Carrie Grace. I live currently in Raleigh, North Carolina, Southern Girl, and I travel the country as a speaker. So I'm a motivational speaker and I speak on two different things. We'll be talking probably more about one of them today, but I speak on work culture and kindness. So I go into companies and schools and kind of just create a better place for them and give them like tips and tricks on how to just improve culture. And then I have a second talk that is on risk-taking and rejection and just kind of this idea of what happens when we go for it and how can you kind of go from the life that you have to the life you actually want. I love that. What is your fun fact? So I had a legal name change as a baby. My mom did not like my birth name. What? <laughs> yeah. So I, my real name is Caroline, but my birth name was Carolyn. So very similar, but all the doctors said, Oh, baby Caroline. And my mom just kind of cringed on the inside that she made my dad. I think I was 11 days old and they took me down to the courthouse and burned my birth certificate. Um, So, and it's funny because when you live in, I was actually born in Boston. And so Caroline's a very um, like strong Northern name. I mean, it's, it's also Southern as well, but I think more people are named Caroline that and in the South that people pronounce it Carolyn. So when we moved down to the South, everyone pronounces Caroline, even though you can see the word line is Carolyn. So my whole life doctor's offices and, you know, schools and my mom would just die on the inside more because she paid money to give me that name. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So wait, it was Carolyn first. Carolyn
1: first was my birthday. Carolyn first. And then she changed it to Caroline. Yes. But people read Caroline in the South as Carolyn. That is so yeah. funny.
0: Um, okay, so Kay, I'm I'm really excited about our conversation today. I know that we are talking about something today that so many of us really struggle with, and that's like our fear of rejection, and that comes up in so many ways, whether it's our relationship, um, our career, our education, really just any area of life. And um, you and I had lunch last week. And you were telling me just some of your stories about risk-taking and like facing rejection. And you've really gotten to a place in your life where you're not afraid of rejection anymore. And you take risks that are just amazing. And so as I'm sitting with you, I could feel this like like spark sort of lighting in me of like, what can I... Like, what risks can I take? And like, seeing it as an exciting thing instead of a scary thing, and it just—it was—I left so inspired. And knowing that this is something that's really painful and really hard for a lot of us, and that keeps us living small in a lot of ways, I just wanted to have you come on and like share some of your your like rejection proof magic with us. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, so yeah, I'm just really excited about it. So, tell me, has have you always been this way? Like, have you always been a risk taker? And what is your like background when it comes to this topic of rejection?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd always say as a risk taker. I was a very shy child, but I do have a pivotal moment, gosh, maybe like a decade ago. I called my dad, probably a decade ago. I had this wild dream of something I really wanted to do. I called him, I said, Hey, I got this crazy dream. And 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 for me, what he what he said to me is he said, Okay, if this is really something you want to do, I want you to take a year and I really want you to study this. And then I want you to come back in a year and I want you to tell me if you fit into the stream or not. And I remember I called him a year later and I said, okay, I studied it. I, you know, I think it might actually be a good match at some point. And I said, okay, go for it. And I think what happens is a lot of times parents, peers, spouses, relationships, people will say, oh, you're not ready or you're not qualified. And instead my dad kind of just said, well, do the homework, do your homework. And if your homework matches up, then take the risk. And so I think what happens is we just self-doubt before we even have a chance. And so I grew up kind of in this household well, there's no such thing as a ceiling and we don't mean to give people ceilings, but what happens is we do unintentionally, you know, someone will say, well, I think I'm going to write a book and someone else will say, well, do you have enough of a mailing list to actually sell a book or, you know, and they and I start to plant these seeds of doubt. And so I came from this environment where my dad just kind of said, the sky's the limit. You think you do it? And he never said you could do it tomorrow. He never said, you know, yeah, I think you could have that instantly. Cause we live in an instant culture and he never gave me this idea that dreams happen overnight, but you know, he kind of said, if you work hard and it makes sense and you've really figured out that that's, you know, I think it's, I also have a gift of figuring out where I think higher yeses can be than nos. So it's really having both an ability to study the situation instead of just going, well, I want that really bad. I go, well, I want that. And I actually fit that brand or I fit that situation. You have a higher chance of getting a yes, which lowers your rejection. So I think it was partially just the way I was raised, you know, where there was never really this like, no, you can't do anything. It was kind of like, sure. You want to be an astronaut? Sure. Go for it. You know? Yeah. See if you like it. Yep.
0: Yeah, I love that because I think that my brain works a lot works really similarly too, where I've always hated when people told me I couldn't do something. Um, and I've also like gotten kind of frustrated. It, there, there have been moments in my life where where friends, really more than my parents, my parents have just always said like, yes, try it, go for it. Um, but where people will say like, Stephanie, be realistic. You know, I'll say, I want to do this. And they're like, be realistic, thinking that maybe right. I'm just saying, well, I want this. And I'm hoping that I'll just snap my fingers and it'll show up in my life. But that's not true. I've always been like, I really want this. And, and for some reason, like, I think that it might be attainable, but knowing that there are a whole bunch of steps between where I am today and actually getting that thing, I'm just willing to do the work. And so I love that about being an astronaut. Like you can be an astronaut. Is it a ton of work? Absolutely. And are there personalities like mine that would hate all of the math and science that goes into it? Like, I mean, yes, you, you have to have an interest in all of the steps that are standing in between you and being an astronaut. But if you're willing to do that work, go for it. Right. Exactly. When you, I, you know, I know that you've talked to so many people about risk and rejection. What are some of the people, the hangups that stop people from, from living the lives that they want to live? Like, what are some of the thoughts that are going through their heads? How do these, like, what are those, there, there are just so many roadblocks. There's so many walls in between us and where we want to be, whether we put them up or other people put them up. Like, what do those look like? What are some of those roadblocks?
1: Um, I think people bow out early. I think people go, well, I got to know. And so they don't ever, people assume that closed doors are closed doors. Hmm. And so that's really what it, what it holds up. Well, they tell me no. You know, it's one of those where it's, it's, it's not always a no forever. And I think people put permanence to it. Oh, well, they told me no, so I can't ever get the job. Or, you know, I have this, people have a narrative in their brain that says, well, I'm not qualified. Um, I'm not, you know, equipped. I'm not ready. A lot of times it's, I'm not ready. So people always say when I arrive, you know, when I get to this point, wherever X, when I get to 10,000 followers, when I get to this, you know, milestone, then I'll take the risk. And people always push it back. It's the same with weight loss. You know, you go, when I get to the 10 pounds, people are never, you never, finish lines always move. And so... People never really get on the starting line. I think is what I've discovered is people don't ever want to get on the starting line because they know they'll never finish based on the way they set themselves up. So people kind of set themselves up to fail. Well, I don't have enough followers. So why even try to write a book? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so I think it's a mindset thing. I think people really are, they live in these narratives that say, I'm not big enough. I'm too big. I'm too old. I'm too small, too educated. You know, it's all these too much and not enough mindsets that I think run through people's heads that they never want to take the risk because risk can lead to success. And sometimes people are afraid of success and risk can also lead to humiliation and who wants either, you know, both are equally hard for different reasons.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that there's also, you know, when someone, you know, if you think through like a particular area of your life, like say, it's, I don't know, a relationship, you like a guy, you've like, you guys are friends and maybe it's kind of coming to the point where you might want to say something like, I'm like, is there something here? You know, like want to get coffee sometime or something. And I think that when we picture what rejection will look like, it's not necessarily the no of, it's not necessarily the no that I think we're afraid of. It's like the story we tell ourselves after the no. So if he says no, the first thing that pops into our mind is it's because I'm Fill in the blank with whatever the lie is that you are most likely to believe. It's because I'm not good enough, because I'm too this, not enough that. I don't look this way. I do look this way. It's like, I feel like our deepest shame fills in that blank. It's because I'm whatever. And that's the thing that we're really afraid of. Like, it's going to affirm this truth I already believe about myself, when actually that's not ever true. It's the thing you believe about yourself is usually rarely true. Um, That's not at all what God says about you. Right. and then also him saying no really when people tell us no it's it's rarely no you stink or no i hate you and right. but that's how it feels how do you like how do we change our our mindset to take a no for what it means not permanent and also not an indictment on our worth
1: yeah i think i mean you have to definitely be strong in your worth and you kind of have to know what you know what god knows to be true about you i think it really I think the problems we get in two cycles or two sets of cycles and, you know, we can get in a cycle of negativity where then we're looking for no's to reinforce things in our mind. And I think when you can break into a cycle where yeses start to reinforce truths you want to believe, then you become more positively reinforced. You're like, well, I got a yes in this area and it reinforces it. So I think it's, you have to remind yourself it's, it's, it's rarely ever about you. It's about the other person and whether it's relationship, job that you applied for, you know, opportunity you wanted Um, It's rarely two identical people against each other and they're choosing A and B. It's really like B just fit them better and A wasn't the fit this time. And you have to remind yourself that like, there's, you want to be the best fit for something. You don't necessarily want to cram yourself into a situation that is, you know, whether it's related. you don't want to be in a relationship if someone doesn't want to be with you, you know? And you have to remind yourself, okay, yeah, maybe there were chemistry and sparks, but it's not for you. And so it has nothing to do with you. It's opening you up for other opportunity. And there's been a lot of times where I've gotten told no, but it has opened me up for other things yes. that have become better. You just, the problem is we, did, we, we rejection is really only painful when you live in the current no, but when you get the yes, when you move into the yes that you're meant to live in, you forget the rejection, the pain of that goes away. Cause all of a sudden you go, I'm so glad someone told me no, because I found someone better or I got a better job opportunity or something opened up. I mean, you know, you close one door, a better door opens, but it's in between when all the doors are closed, that's brutal. Yeah. So I think it's having an open mind to go, you know, this is temporary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of what happens too, is that we say no before anyone else
1: can. Like, have you found that to be true? Oh yeah. I always tell people it's not your job. I always say like, it's not your job to give yourself Linda's no. It's Linda's job to give you know, a yes or no. And you rob people the opportunity of actually saying yes. So what happens is a lot of times, I mean, I've heard, and, I, and we might've talked about this too when we went to lunch. I have heard so many stories of people who have said, oh, I got this opportunity because it's just asked." And part of it was no one else asked. It wasn't like they went up against BCD. They was like, Hey, it was just, Hey. And so the people were like, yeah, we'd love to work with you. We'd love to have this opportunity. Um, and so a lot of times people want to be included and people want to cheer you on. They want to be part of your your tribe, your group, whatever. And so I think we, we, yeah, I that all the time. Well, Sarah's going to tell me no, And I'm like, you don't know. You're not Sarah. You're not her. You're not in her position. You know, no one wants to tell you no, like no one wants to send them. I get ghosted a lot in speaking. And I'm like, it's not going to kill me. I can handle it. I want to be, I speak on this. You can tell me, no, I'd rather you just tell me, no, we both move on. You know, we live in this ghosting culture. I'm sure people see that in relationships now. No one wants to say no. People Would rather just silence you, and that's actually worse because it's still rejection, right. It's just unknown rejection. And so, I just say, you know, if you if it's not for you, say someone no, you know, I think it's say it in the me- best way. Um, you don't have to give them a reason all the time why it's no because that can be more hurtful. But I think it's it's yeah, it's we they say, well, there's it's gonna be a no, or and then they give an excuse it's gonna be a no because I don't have or I don't I'm not ready. Yeah. And it's like that's never about the person, you know, and the, if they give you a no better than they give you no and you knew, then you never ever even asked for a chance Out a yes. 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 There's, um,
0: I feel like there are two, we talked about this at lunch, but I feel like there are kind of two kind of p- kinds of people in the world. I mean, really there are people who ask and people who don't. Right. And in some areas I'm a person who asks and in other areas I'm a person who doesn't. And my best friend, one of my best friends from my whole life, she and her mom specifically, like we would always go to concerts together when we were in like middle school and high school before we could drive. And, um, they both are just like, you don't know until you ask kind of people. And so they have been behind, like backstage or behind the scenes or on set, or, I mean, they have had more crazy, amazing opportunities than really most people I know yeah, present company actually, uh, <laughs> excluded, um, because they just ask. Yeah. And like, I totally take myself out of the running for things yeah. like that. I'm like, well, I don't have a VIP pass. So why would I ever yeah. assume that I could like, I, I'm not, I haven't been invited. So therefore, and, but really like, there are so many times that they just say, Hey, do you guys have any extra VIP passes? And they're like, totally. Yeah. And it's, and it's just, you never know. Right. What you're going to, you never know what the answer is going to be until you ask.
1: Yeah. I, I fully agree on that. It's definitely a, there's been so many moments when we talked about that some, that's me at concerts too. I'm like, Hey, can I do this? And you know, actually, gosh, years ago, I Keith Urban, I went to Keith Urban concert and he came out, we could tell hes they're building a stage near our seats and we could tell that he was coming out to be near us. And we got, my sister loves Keith Urban. It's like one of our favorite people. And so I went up and asked his bodyguard and I said, Oh, you know, he's going to be here. And the bodyguard said, I can't tell you where he's going to be for making his life harder. If he says, oh, they're going to be the sixth row, it's going to be a mess for everybody. Um, and on the way back to my seat, I got yelled at actually by the, um, the security that runs the venue, not his people. And I guess he felt bad because the bodyguard, came, found me, my sister, and he moved me very strategically. He he pulled people out of their seats that they paid for, put me and my sister in those seats. And then Keith Urban was right there and we high-fived him, but it was just because I said, Hey, where's Keith Urban going to be? And he, I don't know if he felt bad, but he came and found us in a crowd of, I don't know, ten thousand people and moved us to new seats that is unbelievable. Yeah, but it was just on those things where you're like, okay, great. It was, you know, we have amazing photos and Thank but I asked and, you know, and no one else did. No one else did. <laughs> um,
0: you did something, I think it was in, I think it was last year, 2018, where you did a 30 day rejection challenge where you like, in, as far as I understand, intentionally put yourself out there to see, if you could be like to try to get rejected, sort of, can you, why did you do that? What was the kind of result in your heart? And like, my guess is that you actually weren't rejected as much as you
1: anticipated. A lot of it was, I really am a go-getter, which I'm sure some people pick up from this podcast, but I also wanted to give people tangible things. So there are things that I could, would have probably asked for in general, but it was, it was really to, to show people okay in a 30 day span, how many yeses do I get? How many no's do I get? And it was a really cool experience. I'm mean, there I got about 25 yeses in six into uh, 31 days, I guess, six no's. But it was, but it was really just to show to people, hey, you can do all, I mean, some of them were some of them were things that would be almost instant yeses, and some of them were just kind of weird, you know, like that. Okay, like what? <laughs> well, like a hoop contest with the guy at Target, which is not normal, but he said, sure. And he worked at Target, we just challenged him to, yeah, and he was okay. like, yeah, let's go. And, um, and then. <laughs> I mean, I rode a bike through Toys R Us, which they let you do, but I mean, not always. And it was, it was, you know, I was like, I'm gonna ride it through the whole store. And they were like, okay, fine. They got the bike down for me. Um, I asked if I could take a nap at, um, like a mattress firm or whatever, a, a mattress store. And they said yes. Yeah, they were like, yeah, that's what people do here. And I was like, I don't know if they nap here, but yeah, they lay down for like a second. A second. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, yeah, you can lay in the bed. Um, How long did you? Re- oh, no, we were there for like twenty minutes. I, I, I had a girl I hired from um, NC State, which is a college near I live, and she wore a secret camera. And we oh. bought this like little contraption, and she wore my phone. Um, it looked very dorky, but I paid her to do it. Um, I mean, she was there for the ride. Like my neighbor, this is so random. But my neighbor had a pig we didn't realize that. I, so I'm like neighbors with a pig. I went over, rang the doorbell. Hey, can I play with your pig? Just stuff that you would never, you know, just random things. And she said, sure. And I got to meet my neighbor, you know, and now I know where he lives. So it's just, it was very cool experiences. Some of them were, you know, more awkward than others. And some of them were, a lot of the no's were legal things. Like, no, we legally can't let you do that. I mean, they didn't want to say no, but they're like, I'm sorry, you can't make your own smoothie at Planet Smoothie because legally you can't come back here. And there's cameras. I mean, she really wanted, it was my first day. She really wanted me to to let me do it, but she's like, I can't, I'll get fired. So a lot of it was just no's because sometimes you just can't, you know, you just can't do certain things. Yeah. But it was a fun challenge. It really just was to prove, I really wanted some content when I spoke to go, hey, you know, these are very simple things. Cause a lot of times I go big and that is not a first step. I would tell people who are trying to dip tiptoe into rejection. I wouldn't say, oh, why don't you, you know, go see if you can touch Keith Urban. I wouldn't say start there. Um, <laughs> you, you might know. get arrested depending on right, how you go right. about trying to so, touch Keith Urban. but it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like start small. And so yeah. that was small things. Can I make a smoothie? Can I, can you hula hoop with me? Can you do this? And I think if you can start small and get yeses, you'll build big. But I never tell people to go big necessarily. That's just my personality um, and I've done enough, probably little to get to the point where I'm like, well, I'll just do the big ass out the gate. Um, but that's what, what part of it was, was just to go, Hey, I want some content. I want to really test, test this, some theories yeah, and just see what happens with other people, you know, strangers, complete strangers, all of them are completely strangers. Did you feel your, I mean,
0: so you'd already been kind of at this for a while, but as you've asked, as you've done the asking, whether it's something small or something enormous, like, have you
1: noticed that it's gotten easier with practice? Yes and no. I mean, there's still moments where it is like, oh, I'm nervous to do this. And what I mean, I, even now I'm sending some emails to people and I'm like, oh, this is nerve wracking because you want the yes for sure. Um, but it's not as brutal and the rejection is fine. I mean, I've gotten rejected a ton in the last week of just opportunities, which is fine. You're just like, great. I mean, I got email me last night. Sorry, we didn't pick you for speaking. We chose someone else. You're like, mm, bummer, but it's meant to be. It's meant to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's not as brutal. It's not a the the asking is still hard a little bit you know there, there's still a level of nerves of the outcome but the no is not as brutal hmm. the no does not keep me from the from asking so that's the difference I think I think the asking will never be the most comfortable thing right but the rejection is not bad I go okay you didn't you didn't on to the next on to the next chapter you know it's never a, a hang up anymore we talked about this at lunch
0: but my so my background is in broadcast journalism. And I remember uh, sitting in a class in college when one of the most like beloved, like anchors uh, in in Denver came to talk to us and she was talking to us about the process of getting her first job and getting your first job, I think is just really the hardest thing ever because everyone is looking for experience and you don't have any yet. So you need someone to take a chance on you and you have to try a lot of people before someone's going to take a chance on you. But once they do, then you can build on that and you can, you know, you actually have some experience for the next time you go looking for a job, but um, she's talking about the process of applying. And at the time, the way that you'd get like a job in TV was you would print out your resume tape on like a CD or, I mean, at the time it was probably like a floppy disk or something like that. Um, And you'd have your resume and you would send them out like physically in the mail to different news stations and hope that they would call you in for an audition or a callback or something like that. And she said that she sent out 200 resume tapes to stations all across the country. I don't even know how many there are. Like she really must've hit like most of them before she finally got a job. And the thing about it that, you know, as she's talking to us about this, she was saying, you know, there was a reason at every single station that they, that I didn't get the job. Like the, you know, 12 people had applied that day. So my, you know, tape got to the bottom right. of the stack. No one ever saw it. Or they had just hired a female. They needed to hire a male or they weren't hiring or whatever. I mean, there are just so many reasons and usually, and rarely was the reason like you're not good enough right. Um, or we don't like you or you don't have a future in this. And maybe some people did say that, but that wasn't the truth. That right. was their opinion. And really she got to prove them wrong. Right. Um, But I'm so glad that I heard her talk about that because I think that it made my process of applying for jobs much more of a like throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks kind of situation. Instead of feeling like I'm gonna apply for one job. And if I get rejected from it, it means I'm not meant to do this. It just like really, it takes a lot of spaghetti sometimes, really throwing it and seeing what sticks. and, And it's just way less personal, I think, than we sometimes imagine. And so I think that just that, that story really helped me like prepare my heart for the fact that for every, that there's sort of a, a ratio at play or there's a, you know, for every, for her, it was for every 200 times you ask, you get like some, one person yeah. says yes, but yeah. one is all it takes. Right. And I just think that that, that just served me really well. Like, okay. And and I really, I remember sitting in my seat that day, making a commitment to myself, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, you know, whatever, I ta- I'm going to send 200 tapes until I get that yeah. first one. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies, and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. So you have this story, like speaking of asking to do things that most people wouldn't ask about. (laughs) Um, You have, you asked to do something on a flight. Yeah. Can you tell us that story?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a random series of events. But in 2017, I was flying to L.A., for an event. I mean, there's stuff out there. But I was going out to LA for about two weeks. My best friend lives out there. And I realized I was going to have to fly, based on the scheduling, I was going to have to fly on my birthday of the day before. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to plan my birthday. That sounds like a terrible way to spend your day. It's like seven hours on a flight because it's two flights, oh, you know? I was yeah. like, no, I don't do that. So I decided to do the day before and then I kind of was talking to my best friends and I said, well, you know, what if I could like, you know, hand out some goodie bags and ask people to pay it forward? And she's like, you cannot give candy to people on a plane. Like there's so many violations with that. It's not Halloween. And I, I called, I tweeted at Southwest and I called them and I Facebook messaged them and all the contacts you can do. And the lady on the phone was so funny. She's like, Oh, you know, I want to show you happy birthday, you know, very on brand and very happy. And she kind of just said, I kind of just pitched her this idea. And she basically said, We can't stop you. And she didn't say yes. She just said, We can't stop you. And I go, That's enough of a yes for me. And I rolled up to the airport with almost 200 bags and stuff and, you know, claimed it with the flight attendants and the flight attendants told me they don't have protocol for that. And nor had anyone prepared them for that. And they made their own plan on the plane right then and there. And they kind of, they kind of took it to an extreme that I would not have taken it to. My original goal is just to put it on the seats and kind of be anonymous. Like, Hey, can I just get on first and just drop them all the seats? Um And instead they, I mean, they threw like a whole party for me and they were, I mean, they gave me free alcohol. They, people sang to me, um, they let me go, they gave me like free, those little wings they give to kids. They gave me like a little certificate, um, and they let me walk them down all the aisles and hand out people. They basically told me, well, they'd be terrible humans. if they didn't take the, the gift, which was nice because <laughs> it prevented me from looking dumb. Yes. You know, yes. everyone's uh, like, no, thanks. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. yeah, no, everyone took it. Every single person took it. Um, cause they were like, do not be a terrible human on this flight. And, but it was a really cool experience for me because it really taught me all these things about love and strangers. And I mean, really created a community on that flight. Um, I don't, if, I don't know if he might have found me on social media, but he said he was on that flight. I, I, I keep up with some of the flight attendants, two of them I, I added on Facebook and yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember one of the flight attendants, it, it was a story that picked up in San Francisco as an anchor in San Francisco that picked up a story. And I guess there, it was an LA, it was an LA based or California based crew. So they live out there. So they saw the story. One of the flight attendants wrote, like he had never experienced that kind of love on a flight in, you know, his eight years of working because it created, a, it, it broke the ice for everybody else. Cause it's so awkward to be sitting next to strangers, and then all of a sudden it's like someone's forced you to not have a conversation. I'm sure some of them were like, "That was the weirdest thing ever." but They started a conversation, you know. People started acknowledging each other, and it was a much louder flight after, and it was interesting because it's like this this small risk or not even small risk, but it was just stepping out of my comfort zone, doing something I always wanted to do. And you know, people go, "I can't believe you haven't done this yet." And I, well, I hadn't thought about it, you know. I hadn't, and I know people did it when they had babies on flight. So I, part of it was this: people have done this before. People have flown where they brought. Ear earplugs for babies, or like you know, candy. So I knew that it was going to be possible. I just didn't know if they would let me do it. And that's a lot of times. Is I I always joke. I say I, I would never say I'm like the first leader. I'm like the third leader. I go well. Two people already did it, so I can do it. So I really look at statistics. I'm I'm very. I'm not necessarily the the trailblazer. I'm not hacking down the the trees, but I'm real close behind those people going, well, you knocked the tree down. So it looks like I'll knock a tree down myself. So, I always, you know, I think people assume that I'm very tra- trailblazer, but I always do my research and go, has it been done once? Because if they already got a yes, then that means there's at least a higher percent of me getting a yes. And that's, that's the story. I think people have to realize you, you really don't need a huge percent in your favor. It just needs to be greater, greater than zero. And this is like a side note in the story, but um, I, and we talked to this and I applied to go to the Grammys this year and 30,000 people applied and they choose 300. So you have 1%, 1% chance. And I got it, but people, always, but I was tell people one is more than zero. And so I was in the pool of three, you know, 30,000 people. And I don't know how I got picked, but I was the 1% of that. And I think what happens is we look at people and go, well, of course you're the 1%, but we're never, we're always the zero. The 0% people are always looking at the 1% people going only you. And I go, only me, because I decided that I was going to have 1% higher, you know, shot than you, you have zero shots and I have 1% shot. Um, so it's, I think just looking at that number people, you know, it's not a huge, it's not a huge difference, but the differences between a yes and a no is zero and 1%. The
0: thing, I feel like there's some, so many things in that are so profound. And one of them is like, you just said I was in the pool. Yeah. Like I was, well, I was in the pool and and that's the difference. Like so many times, like we decide we want to be the zero. We decide yeah. that we're not even going to get in the pool. And really that's just, that's all it takes is just deciding that you're going to
1: put yeah. your name forward, yeah. that you're yeah. going to give it a shot. Yeah. It's and I think people, I actually one of the most profound things, my friend Annie told me that she used to work out in Hollywood, she had a job out in Hollywood. And she would always say to me, people, um, she says people wait their whole lives on their doorstep for Oprah to ring the door. And she said, do you know what doors Oprah rings? And I said, no, what doors does Oprah ring? And she goes, the one she has the addresses to. And she said to me, she says, Oprah, have your address. And, and she goes, if that's what you want, you have to know that these people have your address. And so we wait for opportunity to come to us and then we self-reject, we go, well, it's never going to come. So we never ask. And we just wait, we look at people getting all these opportunities and everyone who has opportunity is rarely because they have a connection. People always thought, oh, we have a connection to the Grammys. No, I have no connection to the music industry. I didn't know anyone who works out now in LA. I just threw my name into a pool of people that I knew would be picked from. And it's the same thing. It's like, I think, you know, she goes, God, people just wait for the car from Oprah and Oprah doesn't know you exist. And we wait and we hope and we go, maybe someday if I get big enough, and I have enough of a social media filing. Oprah will just someday stumble across me. And she's like, you just could send an email. You could contact, you know, I think I email. I think 10 minutes after Amy and I had this conversation, I emailed her and I go, well, I just emailed Oprah Magazine. <laughs> I guess Oprah now knows where I live. <laughs> you know, but it's it, it's that same thing. It goes, "Yep, if that's what you want, you know, do the opportunities you want even know you exist? And probably the answer is no. And if you want them, they have to know you exist to even give you a shot at a yes instead of just you, you know, we, we, we wait for opportunity to come to us and it won't, we don't live in a culture now where opportunity just like first shows up in your doorstep. Yes. We have moments where rarity, but so often I think it's, did I know you exist? Cause if they know you exist and they don't choose you, they still know you exist and they could choose you later. I feel like everyone just went, oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. You know, I, I can't help. There's so many areas where this. There's so many areas where this applies that it's funny because that, um, news anchor I was telling you about, um, she, she works for the NBC affiliate in Denver. And when I was in school, I wanted, that was the best internship. That was the best broadcast journalism internship you could have was at the NBC affiliate in Denver and the best one in Denver. And, um, I applied three times before I finally got it. And the first time I applied, I was like, a freshman and they never, they usually give it just to seniors. Second time I applied I was a sophomore, which again, they usually give to seniors and the third time as a junior and they gave it to me. And it was because I asked and because I I had this feeling that it wasn't a no forever. It wasn't like, you know, we've, we've written your name down. We don't like you. You're not invited into the building ever again. It just was like, this isn't the right time, but I wanted it so bad that I kept asking. And so, I mean, it applies for, for jobs, absolutely. Like, how many times, did, you know, you apply for something and it doesn't work out that time, but then they remember, hey, remember that person that reached out that one time? I feel like they'd be really good for this new opportunity that didn't right. exist the first time you right. asked. But it's so true with relationships, too. Yeah. You know, there are so many like seasons of my life where I felt like, okay, God, you're just going to need to drop him on my doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> but, and there were so many times where I felt rejected by people who didn't know that I existed. Like, people have to know you exist for them to be able to tell you yes. And I think yeah. that that's something that, that so many of us, we stop ourselves short before we like, that's what it means to put yourself out there right. is to say, Hey, I exist and like give someone the
1: opportunity to say yes to yeah. you. Well, I think it's just people, you know, people want that yes or no immediately. And it's, you, know, you don't always remember it takes time and people have to know that you exist. I always ask myself this question. It's like every morning I wake up and ask, it's like, how bad do you want it? because if you want it bad enough, no, no, it's going to stop you. My friends always joke. They're like, if you ring the front door and they don't answer, you'll go to the back. And that's my personality. They go, you'll knock on the window. And there's been some times where I've done things eight, nine times and it's never worked out, but I'd rather have eight shots than zero. And so it's like, I'll I'll come to your side door. So it's how persistent you are. I think sometimes people will choose you based on, you know, are you persistent or not? I mean, I've heard all these stories of, you know, it's like people are persistent to the point where like, fine, we'll give you a job. You obviously keep, you know, at it. I think, you know. You, you rise to the top in some ways and people keep hearing your name. Oh, isn't that the girl we told no twice, but now she's old enough to do this internship or now she's qualified or now she has enough experience. And, you know, I think it's, it's having your name out there enough times, you know, because it shows the person, especially if it's a job, you know, I wouldn't say relationally, but if it's a job and you, you show up eight times because you want it, they're going to know that you're going to work hard because you're working hard just to get in the door. So that is just, you know, do if you, if you, that's the thing is if you don't want it bad enough, you're, then the no won't kill you. But if you want it bad enough, the no will be even harder, but it's kind of one of those where at least you tried. It's better to go out there and try than never have tried. Yep.
0: Yep. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but growing up, I, whenever I had boy trouble, which was a lot, um, <laughs> I would always talk to my dad about it. And we'd always sit in these wicker chairs on our front porch, which are still there. And I remember this one day and I don't remember the exact situation. I think it was probably like, I liked someone and nothing was happening. And I wanted to, like, I wanted to give it a shot, but at the same time, I didn't want to be rejected. And, um, I, I remember my dad just saying like, what's worse, you know, having this, what if, and carrying it around forever, not knowing like, what if he did like you? What if he did want to date you? What if, you know, what if there was a shot and just carry that around forever? Or would you rather put your cards on the table and find out that there isn't a shot and be able to actually move on? Um, and I think so often we decide, well, I would rather not get hurt and not know, but like, you're still hurting. Yeah. And that just kind of became my MO. And, and like, I really, I would just kind of put myself out there and i put my cards on the table. And there were a lot of times where like the person didn't like me back, but at right. least I knew. Right. And at least I could know that I tried. Yeah, um, And I just think that there's
1: something really important to that, something profound to knowing that you tried. Right. And it doesn't always work out, but at least you'll say, well, I tried to go after that. And, you know, I think there's a lot more pride in trying to go after and failing than never try. Like it's so much safer to not try, but you then never fail. And I think you learn from from failing. And I think we, we might've talked about this at lunch today. but I have two friends, in Caroline and Jason Zook. I love them to death. they live out in San Diego. And I met her actually this year last year at a conference and we were saying bus. we had a bus ride to this conference. It was like three hour bus ride. And she and I had never met each other, barely knew each other and just really hit it off. And she's like, my husband and I just call everything an experiment. Everything in life's an experiment. And I was like, I'm going to just adapt that. That's my word for 2019. But she just said, nothing's failure. She goes, everything we do. And and really, I would say this has been one of my most successful years. And I would credit a lot to that. And I tell her all the time, because all of a sudden it changed the narrative for me. Where it's never about rejection or or success. It's just, well, that was cool. That was a thing. I mean, I remember texting her, going, I'm going to the Grammys. And she goes, how? Oh, and I go, it was an experiment. And I just experimented in whether or not they'd say yes. And it really actually changes even rejection for me because all of a sudden it goes, it's just you you start creating a series of things you're going to try. And so this year I've tried more things than I would have ever dreamed of trying. And then you really just go, well, that's cool. That outcome was cool. Because the thing about it is the outcome's never what you expect the outcome's going to be. Even if you get the yes, if you get the dream job, dream job's never the dream job you think it's going to be. You know, you get in a relationship, it's never going to be as glamorized as Hollywood makes it. So all these things, you know, you call it an experiment. It really takes the pressure off both ends, the failure and the success where you go, well, that was a really neat thing that I got to do. And then all of a sudden your life just becomes this really cool series of neat things you get to do. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you have this really awesome life because you go, just keep trying things and I keep going after things and they don't have to be big things, but it's really, if you're living a discontent life, where are the things you're not taking leaps of faith in? Where are the areas that you're not pushing yourself in and pushing yourself out of comfort zone? Where are the areas you're not kind of experimenting and going, you know, what if I could try this or this, you know? You can pivot. It makes it makes pivoting easier. Yes, it makes pivoting a lot easier than going. That was rejection, and you you know you sulk for a week and you watch Netflix. And you just go, they didn't work. Now what's the next pivot? What would I pivot to next? What's the next dream job?
0: I I had a really similar experience this last year. I heard someone talk about experiments. And I think it was actually, I think it was, it was Dave Ramsey and he was talking about his team and, you know, he has this enormous team of people doing amazing things. And his company is like unbelievably successful and has made such an impact on so many people's lives. And if you guys don't know, Dave Ramsey is a, like a personal finance expert, um, we'll link to him. He has great stuff, but he was talking about all the, like for everything that they try, he's like one out of every 10 of our ideas is a good one. Everything else is just kind of not great. Like everything else is, it does okay, or it totally flops. And, but you have to try 10 things in order to get that one that really works. And he, he said that he was like, everything is an experiment. And that has totally changed my year too, because yeah, if something doesn't go well or succeed the way that I'm hoping it will, it's, it, it was an experiment. It wasn't, another test of my worth or belonging or right. love in the world. I mean, it just, right. it was just something I tried. Right. And, and I think the other thing is like with an experiment, the results tell you something. So there's no real failed experiment. Like if something doesn't produce the result that you're looking for, that tells you that formula doesn't work. Right. Um. And so it gives you, okay, we'll try this a slightly different way. Or, I mean, it, it gives you information. So right. really there is no there's, there really is no failure in an experiment. It, it, no matter what it is, it gives you some sort of information or outcome, which is awesome. So I know that there are so many women listening who are thinking like, who feel the way that I do right now. Like when I talk to you, Kay, I like get butterflies in my stomach and want start making lists of like, what is the craziest thing I could try today? And I, I have a feeling I'm not the only one feeling that way right now. Um, I hope I'm not the only one, but I think that there's this, like again, we stop ourselves. Like, where do I start? Can you give us like some practical steps for maybe just a kind of a couple different areas of our life? Or maybe no matter what the area is, kind of the steps are the same. But like, how do we go for it? How do we just do it? How do we take the leap?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of practical steps. I think it 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 depends kind of maybe about area. Like, I think it's let's say you're discontent in life. You're like, okay, I really want this opportunity. Let's say you're an entrepreneur or you're, you know, you work for a corporate and you're like, Hey, I want to move up or I want to go somewhere else. I, I think it really starts with writing it down, writing your goals down. It's really helpful to put it on paper and kind of go, this is what my dream is. And, and I always caution people, is it your dream or is it because you think it should be your dream? Really start there because what happens is we get into, Oh, everyone's writing a book. So I should be an author. maybe that is not your calling. So really figuring out what do I really want to do? What really fires me up and creating that list first, I think, and then creating goals out of that. So if your list is, you know, Hey, I really want to write a book. Okay. Well then what do you want to write a book about? Like really putting tangible things and going like making, breaking it down to small things. I'm all about goal setting. So goal setting. Um, and I think even let's say relationally, like you're saying, you know, you're like, okay, I have this friend who's a guy, you know, how do I move through that? I think it's like you said, you know, kind of Really seeing where everyone's at and in, in in the thing and knowing. Don't wait ten years to go. Oh, did he like me? Really put yourself out there and and realize that if he's not for you, he's not for you, and that your um you know your moments there. I have I have a friend named Megan who loves confetti and just hand lettering, and I can't remember what her exact quote is, but it's essentially like the idea is essentially like your confetti moment's coming, and so this idea. I don't. She's got it. She has it much better. I can give you the link for that, but she's got it much better. <laughs> this idea that there's going to be moments in life where like, you're going to toss a confetti. It's going to be great. Um, and I think she went through some really tough stuff and now she's married and I has got a really sweet boy and she's like, this is my confetti moment, but I wasn't what I thought life would be. And so just realizing that not every moment is going to be the toss the confetti moment, but it's going to get you to the toss the confetti moment. So, you know, having that in mind where you go, okay, he didn't choose you, but someone else is going to choose you. And so having those things, a- another resource, that I would advise for people is, um, I think maybe we talked about it. It's called the five second rule. It's a, it's a book by Mel Robbins. Um, but she has a whole thing about rewiring your brain and my friends do not think my brain needs to be rewired, but it's this idea. She actually is coming out with a show. She just got offered a TV show. Um, I think it'll be similar. I mean, not similar to Ellen show, but that idea, I think it'll be five days a week. Um, I think it'll be broadcast fairly across a lot of channels, um, but she got picked up for a show and she's all about Change. How do you change yourself as a person? And and hers is about you count backwards from five to one, or maybe yeah, five to one. And on one you act. So this idea of not hesitating. So it's really this you know going okay, I need to email Stephanie because I, I want to be on our podcast. So just you count backwards and then email the email. So it's really, I think the problem is people get stuck on the actual action step. People know, like, I I mean, I've asked audience and I go, you know, close your eyes for a minute. What's your biggest dream? Everyone, that never want to admit it. But everyone's got something that someday they hope happens, whether it's get married, have a family, have a ton of followers, have a career, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Someone's got, everyone's got something that they go, if I could only get to that place. And so what are the action steps? Really action is what messes up us up more than anything. It's not that we can't get there. It's not that we're incapable. It's not, you don't really need to have very much I mean, I don't, not so bad, but a lot of times you don't need to have a certain sales get, You don't need to have certain things you just need to have the gumption to go for it. It's not always, you'll learn as you get there, but a lot of times it's just gumption. You know, did you have the skills to even ask? So I'd say coming up with action steps and then maybe getting accountability, having people hold you accountable. Hey, I'm going to send this email today. You know, I did a talk maybe six months ago. And really one, one of my points in my talk is just, it's called send the email. And I tell them all these emails I sent and all the results of sending the emails. And I go, this is the life you could have. And here's the eight emails I sent. And here's the eight, the eight results that happened from them. And you know, some people are like, wow, so profound. But it's this idea of just permission. You have permission to send the email. You have permission to take the chance. You have permission to ask for something. I think a lot of times we feel guilty asking, well, I don't want to burden them. I don't want to. So having an action step, having something to hold you accountable to it and then going for it I'm um, actually doing it and then, you know, tracking the results and you don't have to harass the person. You don't have to do 18 follow-ups, but put the ask into the world and then see where it leads you. And okay. you don't know where it might go. The
0: thing that popped in my mind was from the movie, We Bought a Zoo. Oh, yes. When yes, yes. they talk about the 20 seconds of insane courage, yes. like that's take a deep breath and be courageous, insanely courageous for 20 seconds. Yes. And yeah, that's as long as it takes to go. Okay. And then press yes. send. And yes. Can you tell us
1: like a couple of the eight things that happened? Do you remember them? Oh yeah. I mean, one of them was Southwest. Mm-hmm. Gosh, now, now the top of my head, I'm like, what were the eight things? I mean, there are probably more, I mean, a lot of, some of them were just like, I worked with one of the girls in the bachelor. She did a, a partnership with me. Um, and that was awesome. I was very, I sent her a DM and she said, sure, here's my email address, um, which was not a public email. Um, so that was a yes. Someone said to me, it, it just all these like r- random opportunities. I mean, there's been certain things where I've said, Hey, can I come speak at this? Can I participate in this? Sure. Come. We'd love to have you. I mean, I even connected with uh, a girl on Instagram. She, I can't remember. I said, you know, I was going out to LA for something. She said, if you're coming out to LA, stay with me. I sent her an email and okay, great. I'll email you email the next day. And um, I'm going to see her in September. This will be the sixth summer that I've gone to see her. Oh my gosh. Uh, But it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those where you're like, now she and I are best friends and she'll be my wedding someday and we will be friends for life. But I always joke. I go, yeah, one email. She just commented and I said, sure. I actually grew up on her comment. She said, Hey, you know, and she goes, I would never have commented. That it was crazy. I asked a stranger if they wanted to stay at my house and I am the kind of person, if you offer that, I'll take you up on it. You know? And I said, sure. I emailed her and she, and I've, you know, I've been friends since 2013. Uh, and I go out to LA a lot. So it's been a really great blessing as a speaker now, because every time I go out that part of the country, I always stay with her, save a ton of money and we have adventures, you know, but it's like that. You just never know. Um, you know, and I think women, probably someone else does. I think there's a lot of loneliness in, in for women in in our culture now. And so for me, I just always say, be the invitation. Don't wait for someone to ask you to get a coffee. Like I emailed you. I said, I'm coming to Nashville. You know, I'm, I'm debating moving here. I'm like, I want to come for two weeks. I had breakfast with a girl today. And I was telling her, I said... I want to, my goal for the two weeks were to walk away and go, okay, if I came to Nashville, people would actually like me and I would have this situation, you know, where I could actually connect with people. And now that you and I are hanging out for a second time in two weeks, but it's this, you know, I think it's this idea of you will not mesh with everyone, but it kind of was, hey, you know, if you're around, I'd love to do this. And you could have said, no, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. And that would have been fine. And I would have emailed someone else, right. you know? So it was really, a, I, I think the problem is you've got to decide, are your excuses more important than opportunity. Because for me, it was like, I could say, well, I don't know people. This is going to be weird and uncomfortable and out of my comfort zone. Or you could go, Hey, I'd actually like to have community. So I think it also goes that way too. You know, I think rejection is not necessarily, Oh, I've always dreamed. Sometimes it's just, I want a richer life with more people and you know, and I don't mean money It just mean like a better, fuller life where you go I have people and community and I feel known and seen. So that as well, just kind of going, sometimes we just have to get out of our own way to get to the life we want. And so if you're discontent, right, well, why am I discontent? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel isolated? Do you feel comparison and really hone in on what are the reasons that you're feeling this way and how can you fix that? And what, and is it worth it enough for you to go, okay, well, I'm lonely. And maybe I have to send an email to, you know, 35 people. I actually moved two years ago. I think I something. I moved two years ago and I email, I put in a Facebook group on in Raleigh, North Carolina, I said, hey, I'm going to have a mastermind at my house, all business owners. We're going to meet once a month. Um, and 42 people emailed me. And now I have two sets of people. I have about 50 people that come to my house in two sets um, once a month. And they're some of my favorite people. And I have had more opportunities from meeting those people than anything else. And, it, and for me, I was so lonely moving. I only moved 45 minutes from where I was living, but I had a shift in in, in relationships. And now I, now I text people, email these people, do collaborations with these people. And I've seen them collaborate. I mean, one girl runs a conference and she had one of the girls photograph it. So it's opened all these opportunities for people as well. Yeah. But that it's like, I just decided I was going to done being done, being tired of being alone and actually do something about it. And now I have 50 more people in my life. It's
0: the question is, would we rather be feel safe, feel safe, not be safe, but would we rather feel safe and comfortable? Or would we rather feel loved and connected? Right. Like, would we rather be, would we rather feel safe or feel the joy of knowing that we're living life as fully and richly the biggest life that we can possibly come up with? Yeah. I love that. Carrie, I wanted to just ask you, you know, as we're, as we're wrapping up for the women who are sitting here thinking, I think I can do this. And like, maybe some of them have an idea in their mind of what that thing is. I know that I'm like dying to pull out a piece of paper right now and just like shut out the world and be like, what could I possibly go for? (laughs) Um, But so if if women have either a specific idea in their minds of something that they know they need to say yes to, or a question they need to ask, or if there's a woman sitting here thinking, I want to live life like this. Like I want to live a bigger, richer, fuller life. And I think I'm ready to go for it. Can you give just like one last sort of pep talk for us as we're sitting here in this place?
1: Yes. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, I mean, I think it comes down to this comparison idea. You know, if you're sitting at home feeling bad for yourself, like, Hey, I wish I had all these things. Like what, what are the action steps you're doing? That's what I always tell people. Like, don't be so afraid of, all the things that happen, because if you look back on your life and you go, okay, what's the last five years look like? Did you think it was going to play out? Did you go? Yeah, that's exactly how I thought the last five years would go. No, no one says that they live in different houses. They think they marry different people they think they'd marry. They name their kids, different names. They think they would have, and they have different careers than they ever dreamed of having. I never in a million years thought I'd speak. People die when I tell them a speaker. I was the shyest kid in kindergarten. <laughs> and now I speak in front of thousands of people. So really it's this, this idea of, you know, stop comparing, all the should could of what your life could be someday and actually start living it and really start moving closer to what you, what happened. I also say, surround yourself with people who buy in. Um, I mean, the last thing you need is people in your life telling you you're too much, you're not enough, you're whatever. And so really having a good community is, is what I would say. find people who, are passionate and excited about the things that you are excited about. Cause that will be the best positive reinforcement you could have. If people, you know, I have a million friends in my life, but there are very few that I tell, Hey, here's my crazy idea. And, and they never tell me no. they go, that's, that's crazy. And I can't wait to watch you fall on your face or, or sore. but they never really say no. I mean, people now know that you're going to do it. Whether I tell you that's a good idea or not. And they'll tell me if it's like, no, it's a terrible idea, but you know, I think it's, it's, really coming back to how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to shift in your life? How bad do you want opportunity? You know, and and there are seasons of wait, you know, there's seasons where you're not going to be in the relationship and it's not going to work out. And every guy in your life is probably going to crush your soul and you're going to hate it, but it will be worth it when you get there. So we're remi- reminding yourself, Hey, what were all the things you wanted five years ago that you have now? What are the things you want five years that you don't have that you didn't actually want, you know? And so really kind of looking forward and saying, how can I you know what is the life I want? How do I get there? You know I, I'm I'm all about having adventure and fun and, and finding ways to just I love the challenge of how, you know I shouldn't be here but I am you know <laughs> like I shouldn't be in the room but here I am and, and I don't know if we talked about this but I always this is probably the best example I always. Say essentially, like, I carry my own chair around. And so, this idea of we want someone to invite us to have a seat at the table, and I just bring a chair with me, and I'm like, I'm here, I'm at the table. And so, I, I think being your own invitation, stop waiting for someone to say, Hey, you can sit at this table. We waited our whole lives to sit at the cool table. And sometimes I'm like, I just drag a chair with me, and I'm like, I already got the chair. I don't need you to invite me. I'm here, you know. And I think that that's how you make friends. I think that's how you meet people. I think that's how you change relationships. And I think that's how you get opportunity where you just kind of say, I'm not going to play small and I'm just going to bring my own chair, fold up, carry it around, put it on my back and, you know, sit, you know, where I want to sit instead of going, well, I'm not cool enough to be with these people. Well, they don't know you exist. So what if you brought a chair up and you go, Hey, and you introduce yourself. It might actually change your life. So I think instead of waiting for an empty seat and waiting for someone to say, come, just invite yourself to the party, you know, crash the party and see where it takes you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Carrie Grace, thank you so much for being here, friends. Thank you for having me.
0: You guys, isn't Carrie amazing? I love her and I love this conversation and I'm so glad I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links for any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Carrie's contact info so you guys can follow her and so y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave a rating and a review. Thanks so much. All right, friends, it's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and trust me, you're going to love this one. See you then.